We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Monday, August 15th. It is now another another day closer to the start of the 2022 season. Ryan Roberts, the director of recruiting at Irish Breakdown, is with me. Brian Driscoll, the publisher at Irish Breakdown. And we've got a lot of Notre Dame topics to talk about. A couple things just before we get rock and roll. And number one, if there is breaking news during this show and there's a chance it may happen, we will discuss it at the end of the show uh, this is also not a recruiting podcast, so I do not want to see the chat turning into a recruiting show or recruiting chat. Let's try and stay on topic about the team, and we'll get into that stuff in the end. The mailbag is always fair game for that type of stuff, uh, so we are going to stay on topic for our show. A little bit of news dropped today. The Associated Press poll, Ryan, uh, came out today. Notre Dame was ranked fifth, which is where they were uh, in the coaches poll. Uh, they were also ranked fifth in the coaches poll, and this is the first time since Notre Dame ranked second in the AP and third in the coaches poll back in 2006 that wow. Notre Dame has begun the season in the top five. It does, however, mark the fourth straight year in which Notre Dame has begun the season uh, in the top 10. So certainly, certainly uh, expectations are sky high for Notre Dame this season uh, when you look at those those preseason polls. It's fun to see, man. I mean, honestly, I feel like the uh, for the first time in a while, I don't really argue too much against these preseason polls. You know, it's it's most of them have been kind of fair. I mean, I know we dissected a little bit of the coaches poll, but I mean, honestly, Brian, just outside of Notre Dame's fifth standing in the AP poll, I thought that it was a pretty fair ranking, if I'm being completely honest. There wasn't yeah. like a ton where I was like, that team is being massively overrated. Right. That team's being massively underrated. I was like, yeah, it's in number five. Except for USC. That's the only exception well, for me. Yeah, yes. right. No, well, I mean, we, that's we, the point, though, Ryan. We could normally yeah. go through that sucker and nitpick like half the dang rankings and be like, whoa, what the heck? I didn't yeah. see that this year. I really did Exactly. And, and I mean, it's nice. You know, Notre Dame's getting – and they usually do in a preseason for the most part. But they're they're getting the credit that I think that people are excited about to see this team. And it's been pretty consistent across the board of, of both right. the coaches and the AP poll. Right. So it's a good spot to be at number five to start. Yeah. The, the, there was really only a couple, 
there's really only a couple big complaints that I had with the poll. And one is I mentioned USC, but I get it. I actually get USC. I actually am more understanding of USC at 14 after going four and eight last year than I am Texas A&M being sixth after sure. going what eight and four last year and new same coach. All they've done is lose coaches. They lost their own line coach to USC. They lost Mike Elko's now the head coach at Duke and, and lost some good players. And I know that they bought 37 defensive linemen. I mean, excuse me, signed, signed to scholarship, 37 defensive linemen this year, but I just don't see the Texas A&M stuff. We broke down the SEC predictions on Saturday. Uh, I just, I don't see it with Texas A&M. But other than that, I mean, I'm, I think Baylor at 10 is probably going to look way too high when the season's over, but I'm also totally fine with them being 10 now because, again, they had success last year. You're actually sure. you're actually putting a team too high based on the fact that they were really good last year, which I'm, I'm okay with, right? Uh, was comfortable for Michigan State at 15. Would I have them 15th if we're just talking about a, a pure projection only? Probably not, but I think it's totally fair based on what they've done. I'm good with Miami being – a, a, a team that's high they're kind of the opposite of those other teams in that they're a projection a little bit but Miami was was okay last year they had their moments last year I'm, I'm comfortable with that so I mean there's a lot of different things uh, that you look at and say okay it makes sense you know you can nitpick a spot here spot there uh, I was surprised that Iowa wasn't in the top 25 that's another one that continues to get me a little bit um, yeah. but uh you know, I, I think overall, I thought it was a, a very fair ranking. And I wonder if the Wake Forest ranking, if the Wake Forest, like, I wonder when the votes were in, like, maybe the votes came out before uh, the news broke about Sam Hartman, because I do think that's a pretty big blow to Wake Forest. For those who don't know, Sam Hartman, the quarterback at Wake Forest, is out with an undisclosed injury or non-football related issue. Excuse me, not an injury. I want to make yeah. sure that I'm clear. Uh, so, um, I wonder, that's the only other one that I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the way this usually works, that, that this was, the voting was done before that news broke. That's that I am kind of thinking that with Wake Forest. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, based upon, I mean, and honestly, Brian, my biggest surprise on the list personally, they didn't get Purdue in the top 25. They're the best team in Indiana. No, right. I know. Right. I mean, they're better doing? than Notre Dame clearly uh, says every moron that I've ever seen on Twitter. So uh, I just had to address that one. That was, you know, sometimes, you know, Ryan, I've, you and I talk all the time. I'm like, you know, Hey, look, let's be mindful of how we engage on Twitter. Cause you both and I have aggressive personalities, but sometimes, sometimes you just got to do it. Sometimes people say things that are just so dumb and then double down on their stupidity with yes. another comment. That's completely stupid. And uh, just some, like I said, sometimes people bring that, you know, that that uh, that social media violence on themselves and it just had to be done. It had to be. Well, done. you're my leader. So I'm learning from you. All right. Yes. So all my all yes. my Twitter antics. I blame you yeah. upon this. Yeah. Right? I, 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 hey, look, I'm look, off. I'm the I'm the guy at the top. Right. So when I do things like that, <laughs> so, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm just following your example. So uh, and that's why I say when I when I talk to Ryan, look. Don't be like me. <laughs> Don't do this. Learn from my example. <laughs> really quick tangent, real quick. So I put on Twitter yesterday, the day before, that I was going to be nice on Twitter. Okay, I'm not going to be a jerk anymore. I literally, less than an hour later, almost quote tweeted something saying, this is idiotic. But then yeah. I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. So it was I went from the same account. Wasn't it from the same account? It, yeah. it may have been. I can't yeah, remember. But I, So I went back to my original tweet, and I was like, wow, this is way harder than I thought yeah. it was going to be. It was literally yeah. less than an hour. It was like 57 yeah. minutes from no the doubt. original tweet. No so, doubt. Yeah. No doubt. So top 25 is out. AP and coaches poll sets up an epic matchup in the opener against Ohio State. Ohio State was number two in both polls. They were also two in the coaches poll, I, I believe. 
correct? Uh, so uh, obviously that was that's going to be a big matchup that we will be monitoring as well. So let's get on to our team show, Ryan. And our focus today is quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to talk quarterbacks today. Mm-hmm. And the, the discussion for, for, for Notre Dame is, is kind of we're going to do sort of an overview. Here's kind of where things stand. You know, quarterback, it's not going to be a preview per se. You know, the season, the camp has already started. It's more of a sort of an overview where things are. What are expectations? What are we like about this unit? What are our concerns and questions about this unit? I think those are the things that you look at and start to evaluate and say, okay, um, let's let's kind of look at the team that way. And, and I think in that regard, you have to start, in my opinion, at quarterback. And that's why we're gonna we're gonna we are gonna start a quarterback. And and because at the end of the day, all the other stuff we talk about, all the different position groups, they're all gonna have an impact on where things are this season. But Notre Dame's ultimate success is gonna do in large part to what happens at quarterback. That is going to be the same thing uh, that we've said for years. This is going to be the thing that determines whether Notre Dame continues to be a 10-2 and type of team that that beats the teams they're supposed to or whether they can take that final step. It's going to come down to quarterback play. Now we know, Ryan, who the starter is. We now know all those question marks are out. We know who the starter is. Now it's time to say, okay, what's it actually going to look like and is the quarterback play for Notre Dame this year going to be good enough for the team to take that next step. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Quarterback's a separator, man. I mean, it usually is. I would argue, Brian, I mean, 
Notre Dame has had trouble in the big game recently, right? And I know some of that is to do to bad coaching in certain spots, so I'm not going to put it all on the quarterback. But we also saw in those games that the quarterback play just wasn't up to par, right? And I think that that's the biggest separator is that whether you're on a high school football team, a college football team, NFL team, if you have a dude at quarterback that elevates the entire entirety of not only of just the performance of your offense, but also like just the the aura around the team. I mean, like they, mm-hmm. they feed off of a great quarterback. That's the thing. Like it's the energy brought in because whether a quarterback is because Tyler Buckner is only going to be a sophomore. And I know that they have been really talking a lot about him being the alpha in the room and being a great leader and all that great mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm sure he is, but whether he is ready for that role or not, he is the leader now. Right. He's the leader of this football yeah. team. He's, ready or not, here he comes. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no choice. You and it's no hard choice. for a sophomore. I mean, honestly, right. he's a sophomore playing major college football at one of the biggest brands of college football. It is not an easy thing for a young kid, what, 19, 20 years old, to step foot into that right. into that arena in that spectrum and be the dude from right. day one. But that's what's on his weight. You know, it's not even right. just the simple fact of like, you need him to play really good football, which right. we'll talk about a ton. We also need him to be a leader on this team. Right. Like, and, and that's the biggest thing for me is that there's a lot on his plate. I think he can handle it. Right. But regardless, I mean, it is a big task for a sophomore. There's no and, doubt about it. And I think the leadership aspect is very interesting, Ryan. I, I think the leadership aspect is interesting because he needs to be a leader. But what it would always find what I always find fascinating is, is that you've got to find the sweet spot for each individual player. And not everybody is going to be the same in regard to how they show leadership. Not everybody's vocal. Not everybody's a rah-rah guy. Not everybody's, you know, uh, you know, going to get in a guy's face. Some guys lead just by like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go do my thing. And when I need to say something, I'll say something. And I think that's really where Tyler needs to be. He needs to be a number one. You need to go handle your business. You need to lead by example, how you prepare. Those are things you can control, Tyler. Like you can control, uh, you know, how you are in regard to um, – your preparation, right? Your experience doesn't have anything to do with that. You can be a first day freshman and still go out there and bust your tail and put in the work in the film room, put in the work in the weight room, put in the work on the field, be the first guy out doing all those kind of things. That stuff is in your control and doesn't require experience per se. He's got to find his sweet spot. But I also think as you kind of look at the, the quarterback room as a whole, I think having Drew Pine on the roster, that's where he adds even more value because Drew, from what I am told, is not taking a back seat from a leadership standpoint, nor is Notre Dame coaching staff asking him to take a back seat of that. Um, so I think that's the key is they're going to allow Drew to be himself as a personality. They're going to allow Drew to show leadership uh, and and to have a voice. As, and, and Drew is smart enough to understand when right? Like if Tyler's talking, Drew's not going to come bum rushing in like, Hey, let's go. You know that you're not going to see that, but Drew's going to have a voice. And that's why in a lot of ways, and this is not this, this may sound like an insult, but I truly don't mean it that way. I mean it hundred percent as a compliment. That's why Drew Pine is the perfect backup quarterback for Notre Dame this year, because he does have that mindset where Drew is not going to be afraid to, to walk into the room and show that leadership if it's needed to be done. And, and right. he's a smart kid, a savvy kid. And the fact that he is respected by a te- his teammates allows him to step into that situation. And so uh, and, and that's why I thought it was smart for for Freeman and Reese to both talk about how important Drew is to this team in the press conference, announcing Tyler's a starter and why it was so important for Tyler to talk about how important the relationship is between him and Drew. 
Like you could tell that they were all focused on, we've got to keep Drew locked in because he's very important to this team. And not just in the way that people talk about, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, oh, you know, he's going to, if Tyler goes down or there's an injury or whatever, I'm just talking about on an everyday basis. Drew Pine's just not hanging out in the corner until, you know, until Tyler goes down and then he puts the, you know, the, 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 the coffee cup down and puts the clipboard down and, you know, takes off the, sh- the jacket and, you know, runs in there in this dramatic scene. No, he's going to be important every single day. Sure. And, and because he brings that to the table, which then, the, the reason that matters is, is because I think that allows Tyler Buckner to more naturally grow into a leadership role that he is comfortable with, where it doesn't have to be this all the time. And that is something that we have heard from Tommy Reese as well, privately and publicly, uh, for, well, privately from sources and then publicly from Tommy Reese, is that Tyler has kind of grown into a leadership role this offseason. So that's, that's an important thing. But look, end of the day, Ryan, when you talk about the Notre Dame quarterback, Leadership's important, right? Work ethic's important. All those things are important, but it's going to come down to can you make plays and can you make plays in the big moments and in the big games? And I think that's going to be the key to this. And that's where I want to transition now specifically to Tyler as a player. So we talked about the expectations, right? The expectations are that Tyler Buckner has to go out there and play like a big-time talent right? That's the expectations because the expectations isn't, hey, well, let's let him get a year under his belt and then next year we can go out and you know, maybe be good, right? The the next year approach. Nope, nope. This is a football team. You have too many talented players. You have too many guys in there last season to where, hey, look, you're not going to have Isaiah Foskey next year. You're not going to have Michael Mayer next year. You're not going to have certain guys next year. How about you go out and try to win with those guys now? And that's going to be the expectation for for Tyler uh, for Tyler Buckner this year. So he's going to have to play uh, like someone who's being expected to lead a playoff football team. And that's the expectation. So the question now, Ryan, is, is what are the things that we look at with Tyler Buckner that give us the confidence? Because I I think you and I are in the same boat here with we no one knows what Tyler's going to do, but there's a confidence level on on this show, I believe. Uh, And it's taken all of us different times to get there. But now I think we're there where you look at it and say, hey, listen, the talent's there. You know, will he get there this year? I don't know. But I do want to kind of break down what 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 it is really that makes us so confident, Tyler Buckner, and then what he can do for the offense. So just to begin with, Ryan, when you evaluate his high school film, when you evaluate what he did last year, what are the things you look at and say, okay, that's why I think this kid has a chance to be something different at Notre Dame? Well, I think the biggest thing for me to start, Ryan, is actually something that's not on the film. It's something that is more isolated to what the people around him talk about and what the interviews show me of him. And that's that I think that he brings a really cool and calm demeanor at all times. Cause I mentioned like being a sophomore starting quarterback at the university of Notre Dame, that can be extremely difficult, obviously, but having the personality that he has where he just seems like he's never too high. He's never too low. He has kind of that even keel to him. I think that's huge, right? Cause I think what, if Tyler Buckner makes a mistake this year, throws a bad interception, gets off to a slow start in a game. I think that he has the, I think he has the personality to kind of get himself out of it, right? Like that's kind of where I like that never too high, never too low type of personality, because I think that you can kind of pick yourself up from there. So that is a big thing for me. And that's, it's tough to see sometimes with quarterbacks and that's what makes, whether it's a high school to college transition or a college to NFL draft transition, 
it's tough sometimes to really distinguish those things because some, I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks on the NFL level that don't pan out that it had nothing to do with talent, right? Like it's a personality thing. It's a work ethic thing. It's a leadership thing. I think Tyler mm-hmm. has all those things. Now on film, I mean, we're talking about a dynamic player, right? right. Like this is a dual threat kid who is one of the better athletes on the team, sure. pound for pound, in my opinion. I mean, let's, re- let's remind people of this. Yeah. This is a kid that I believe his first scholarship offer came as an eighth grader. And it was from the University of Michigan to play lacrosse. I mean, yeah. so you're, you're talking about a kid who was considered one of the best lacrosse players in the West Coast. And if you've ever seen the, I don't, I don't understand lacrosse, but one thing I know, I know athleticism and a sport that requires and demands athleticism, and it does it. You know, so so to back up your point about the athleticism, yeah. Ryan, I mean that that says a lot right there. And I mean, as a junior in high school, I mean, what was it? Over 1,600 yards, 22 touchdowns, like over yeah. 10 yards of carry. Like, the, I mean, it's pretty easy to see on film. And even what he did last year right. in his designated role is a really dynamic athlete, man. He's physical. He's fast. He's explosive. You can see those traits and be like, okay, this dude's a different type of athlete. But I really do think that overshadows, in my opinion, the fact that he's a pretty quick processor for a younger kid. You know, like he gets through stuff. He has good eyes. And I think his arm strength is good in, in that regard, right? So I think tangibly mm-hmm. from a all-around player, from a dual threat perspective, he's got every tool in the book. Right. The talent is all there. The biggest thing for me is just, you know, the kid hasn't played a ton right. of football. So, like, just getting him comfortable. As he gets more comfortable, right. I just think that talent is just going to take over the film because there is no question, in my opinion, on the talent level of Tyler Buckner. The kid has special traits as an athlete. And, and I think – I think Marcus Freeman talked about this at the very beginning of the press conference announcing that he was going to be the starting quarterback because he talked about we need to add that dynamic running ability to quarterback. And, you know, when you talk about the depth issues at receiver, the fact that not only do you have not many receivers, a lot of those guys haven't panned out or not, excuse me, haven't panned out, haven't proven themselves yet. Right. Even a guy like Lorenzo Styles, Ryan, who who you're extremely high on. We're sitting here today saying, hey, we think he's got a chance to be really good. But we've got to see it, right? He's got to prove it. Even you know, Brayden Lindsey's a fifth-year senior. He's got a lot to prove. The only experienced proven receiver you had just is out for the year now because with Avery Davis. You have a tight end that's that way. You know, your running back depth chart, same thing. We think it's got a chance to be one of the five to ten best backfields in the entire country. But they've got to go out and prove it. It's very unproven. Nobody had more than 300 rushing yards last year. Nobody on the roster has 800 career rushing yards, much less 1,000 career rushing yards. Matter of fact, the, the, the depth chart as a whole, Ryan, barely – barely tops a, a thousand when you add them all together as rushers. Well, now you've got a quarterback in Tyler Buckner that as a scrambler and as a runner can take some of that pressure off. I think we'll get kind of get into, we've discussed this before. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit more later about maybe you need to be smart about how much you use him in certain games. But the reality is, is you now have a quarterback that you have to account for on every single play. And, 100%. you know, with last year with Notre Dame and even with Ian book and, and this isn't an insult to Ian Book because Ian Book was really athletic. He made a lot of plays with his legs. Uh, but they didn't have to account for him in the run game. And it's it's not Ian's fault, per se. It's that they just didn't do a lot of stuff with him on designed runs. I mean, they'd occasionally run like a third and one outside zone, Q outside zone, which I never understood because that play almost like never worked. I never understood that. You know, but they didn't have a lot of design calls. They weren't running read zone a lot with Tyler, with with Ian Book. You know, even though he was an athletic kid. Well, now you know you're going to have design called reads. You're going to have RPOs. They're going to build in, you know, a handoff, a pass. You're going to have uh, RPOs. They're going to be a pass that have built in a, a, a draw if, you know, if the defense vacates the box, all those type of things. 
and to all while taking advantage of that. And as a defensive staff, when you have a quarterback that you have to legitimately account for in the run and pass game, it makes it a lot tougher, in my opinion, to to take to focus on all those other areas. And so I think that's a big part of of why Tyler Buckner's dynamic running ability needs to be where we lead this conversation off of is because he already brings it, but it's needed even more so this year because of some of the injuries and the depth concerns at other positions. And when if Tyler can be that player, it it is going to present a very unique set of problems that the quarterback last year's everybody knows I'm a Jack Cone like supporter. I thought he did a really nice job last year when given the opportunity, all those type of things. But this is a whole different animal for Notre Dame when you have a kid like this, even more so than Ian Book. You haven't had a runner like this since Brandon Wimbush. And right. and for all the concerns about Tyler as a passer, we'll get into those here in a second. You saw in 2017 what Notre Dame did in the run game with a quarterback who was barely a 50% passer that year with, uh, you know, talk about receiver issues. Notre Dame tried to beat Georgia with, with Freddie Canteen and Cam Smith in the starting lineup. You know what I mean? Like we've seen this story written before. And I would argue that the talent around Tyler Buckner is significantly better than what the talent was surrounding Brandon Wimbush in 2017 at the skill positions, offensive line, maybe a different conversation, still going to be pretty good. And, and so I think for me, we have seen this story before with Notre Dame and we saw how impactful Josh Adams was a 1400 runner and teams were still having the game plan to stop Brandon. And it was opening up big plays for, for Josh Adams. We saw that. And Tyler brings that to the table. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off Ryan, those other position groups and allows them to say, hey, you don't have to go be Will Fuller. You don't have to go be these type of things. It's you've got to go out there and just make sure that you're doing what you need. Do your job and then trust mm-hmm. Tyler's going to get you the ball, but then also know that you're going to get you're going to get some some number one stuff. That's going to be the key. Here's a cliche you hear all the time. The quarterback makes everybody around him better. How does Tyler Buckner do that? I think tangibly you mm-hmm. need to ask yourself, well, how does he do that? he's not running the routes for the wide receivers, right? He's not running inside zone and staying on his track and staying patient and doing all that type of stuff as a running back. How he makes somebody better is let's start with the offensive line. When you have the run threat that Tyler Buckner has in an outside, in an inside zone, look, you're going to keep one defender out of the box. You're going to automatically do that. It's going to leave less players in the box for the offensive line to, to handle and also, there will be some times where you're going to be reading that end man on the line of scrimmage where offensive line-wise, you don't have to block that man, right? Like, so mm-hmm. it's a one less guy for an offensive line to block. How does it make the running back game better? Well, running back is also running into a smaller box, in theory, mm-hmm. as long as the quarterback is reading correctly out of it. Why receiver-wise, when you have a really talented quarterback, that safety, I'm going to try to get him a little le- more into yeah. the box. I'm going to try to get the extra man up which means there's going to be a lot more one-on-one right. opportunities. So it is a cliche, but in Tyler Buckner's case with the dual threat that he is, he literally does make everybody around him better because the numbers game should always be in their advantage because there mm-hmm. has to be a player that always has to account for the running ability that Tyler Buckner has. Yep. So he literally is the key to this offense because he can take pressure off of everyone, not mm-hmm. just the offensive line. Not just the running game, not just the receivers. He can take it off of everyone. And right. also what it gives 
is Tommy Reese gets a nice little wrinkle in this offense too, where he's like, wow, now I can do this, 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 and this. There's going to be a lot of things in this offense this year that all due respect to Jack Cohn, you weren't running with Jack Cohn. I mean, you just weren't. And it's no disrespect to him. It's just not his style. You weren't doing it with Ian Book either. Right. 100%. Yeah. 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 I mean, like you just said, Ian Book was a pretty athletic kid, but you weren't running a bunch of the Mm -hmm. read zone and all that type of stuff with him. Because, Ryan, there's a difference – there, there's a difference in, in, you know, you talk about this in the NFL too. There's a difference between an athletic quarterback and a running quarterback or yes. a quarterback who's a runner, even if he's not a, a, you know, Brandon Wimbush type of runner. And that matters. That has to be pointed out because it does change how you game plan. It's one thing to, to have a guy that like, so for Ian book, for example, when Ian book was playing, you had to account for him. And if you want to look at the NFL, it's the difference between defending Josh Adams or Josh, excuse me, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes, like Patrick Mahomes can is going to use his athleticism in the pass game. And you have to game plan for that. Josh Allen can use his athleticism in the pass game and the run game. And you have to prepare for that differently, which is going to create opportunities because you talked about the safeties peaking against the run, Ryan. It is also true that they have to peak against the pass. You, you bail eight, seven guys, drop seven guys in the coverage. And Tyler Buckner's turning a third nine into a first down. Remember the USC game, right? And and what did what did um, what did Brandon Wimbush go like nine of nineteen in that game, but he converted a third and ten with his legs because the defense dropped and Brandon just nothing was there and just took off running. So you have to account for that in the pass game as well, Ryan, which then allows you to be in situations where even still you're going to get those one on ones in the perimeter because you're going to have to account for somebody even in the pass game to, to for Tyler Buckner, and I think again that's where it it gets to where. Uh, again, there's a difference between being athletic and being a runner. And and sure. that's that's the key. That's the key. And you just mentioned a great point. I mean, I can imagine like third and seven and Tyler Buckner just scrambles for eight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and that is the most, we're talking about how it's affecting the players around him right now. And I kind of started this conversation. It also affects the defense a ton sure. because that is deflating. Yes. We're not even talking about just the fact of, like, I have to defend the run. I have to defend the pass. Right. There's multiple raids off of the zone. Like, all that type of stuff. It's also, wow, third and seven. I have perfect pass coverage, and Tyler Buckner runs for nine. And that yep. is stuff that you just can't account for sometimes, man. And it is so frustrating. So, it's literally deflating to a defense when you have a player like this. Because even when there's nothing there, this is the biggest point for me, even when there's nothing there, Tyler Buckner can make something happen. He has yeah. that type of athleticism and that type of upside. Well, Ryan, I mean, just think we, we talk about Brandon Wimbush a lot, and I'm, I'm only comparing the two as runners, but we had a, we saw a situation like this in 2018 in the win over Michigan as well. You know, Notre Dame is up 21 to 10. Offense is sputtering, you know, through an interception. You punt it on your last three and out on your last attempt. Now you're backed up third and 18. Michigan's starting to get some momentum. It's 21 to 10. And uh, I can't remember, I think it was Josh, uh, was it Josh Ross? I can't remember who it was coming off the edge. Hits Brandon in the backfield on third and 18. Brandon spins out, takes off running, and, and converts it on a third and 18. Notre Dame goes down and, and, and kicks a field goal to go up 24 to 10. That proved to be a big moment in that game because now Michigan needed a touchdown, right? And it, to, to just to tie, right? And then, of course, you know, you, you were able to make some stops. But, like, plays like that matter. And so I think that is is why it is important to talk about the running ability. Having said that, that's not where my confidence on this this comes from. I think I think that it, it, the 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 there's to me Tyler's dynamic running ability 
kind of take some pressure off other units, like you mentioned, offensive line, running backs, receivers. But for this offense to truly take that next step, he has to be an effective thrower of the football. And, and we both agree on that. And, you know, I think that's the part of his game that right now is the biggest question mark and is the area that's going to determine just how good he's going to be. Now, when I say question mark, there's two different ways to look at this. One is the question mark of people who only are evaluating Tyler based on what he did last year. The problem with that is, is you're not looking at Tyler Buckner as a player that was being thrown into the game to be an every down quarterback. His role last year was to be a, a runner. Drew Pine actually got a decent amount of reps last year in practice as sort of the number two quarterback, which is why when Jack Cohn struggled in a couple games before Virginia Tech, it was Drew that they turned to, not Tyler. Now, in in I think it was the Wisconsin game, that made sense because Tyler was it was injured, you know, and and, and had the hamstring issue issue. Although if he was the starter, from what I'm told, he could have played on it. But because they were using him as the runner, Drew was sort of the backup quarterback. The reason they went with Tyler against Virginia Tech is what we talked about the other day. They were at the point at that time where they're like, look, the pass rush is, is getting after it. We need to put the runner in. And they were kind of at the point where it's like, if it, we may have to, it may be time to, to make a move because of how bad the offensive line is playing. So Tyler wasn't getting the work running the whole offense last year. His role was this kid is too dynamic to not play. And how we're going to use his ability this year is as a runner. We need that with the offensive line struggles, with you know, being young at running back and different things, they needed that part of it. The The second question is, is that even, even people who are proponents of Tyler as a passer, like myself, have to, if they're going to be honest and objective, have to look at and say, we haven't really seen him run an offense in three years, number one. And number two, he has altered his mechanics a little bit since he was last a starting quarterback. So you, you look at that and say, okay, um, that's a legitimate question. Having said that, I think there are some people that are significantly discounting Tyler's ability as a passer of the football. And and for some of the people that I've talked to, a big part of that comes down to the fact that he has unorthodox mechanics. And there are just some, despite all the evidence in the world, that just believe you can't be a pocket passer if you don't have a traditional throwing motion. And I would argue I, I, I think that's not accurate. I think, number one, I think, number two, it also misses the the – the modern game. I mean, how Patrick Mahomes has a very clean throwing motion when he's just sitting in the pocket. But sure. if you break down the game, Patrick Mahomes is going to have a lot of throws that aren't with his traditional throwing motion, right? You know, there's the if Patrick Mahomes was at a quarterback derby, you know, or making a quarterback teach tape, it would look, man, that that thing's pretty. But then you watch him play, and you're like, maybe what? Maybe half the throws he makes that way. You know, because there's there's so many different, you, you know, RPOs require different arm angles, you know, the, avoiding pressure. There's got to be a little bit of playmaker to him, and that is is aided by someone who can throw with varying arm angles. And Tyler has a naturally low throwing motion, which I think aids his ability to throw at different arm angles. But at the end of the day, I don't care about his mechanics. I care about does the ball get there accurately on time and what with enough zip to make sure that the ball gets completed. So as we break down his pass game, Ryan, I think number one, the reason that I'm confident Tyler is a thrower is one of the things we saw from him in high school, one of the things we saw from him in his first spring at Notre Dame. So this isn't this spring, but the spring before. One of the things we saw from him, even at times last year, one of the things you saw from him in practice firsthand in the spring 
And then one of the things we've seen from some of the practices and some of the people that I've talked to this year are this is a kid that has a very, very good mind for the game. And I think that's something a lot of people are missing. This kid is a really smart quarterback. And there's a stigma that comes with being athletic as a quarterback. It's always been that way. You, you can go all the way back to you know, John Elway and, and Steve Young and Randall Cunningham. There's always a stigma that comes with being an athletic quarterback. And that is, is that they're a bit street ball. And, and that is true maybe with some, but with others, with a lot, especially the great ones, they have minds for the game. And I think that's the part of this that Tyler is not getting enough credit for. His anticipation, his decision-making for his age are really good. Now, he got baited into a bad throw last year against Virginia Tech. That's part of the learning sure. process. But this is a kid that has a very good mind for the game. And you don't throw for 4,400 yards and 58 touchdowns at any level if you don't have a mind for the game. Well, I mean, and let's give Virginia Tech some credit for a second, right? Like they were designing coverages a little bit more. They were rolling down some coverage and they baited him into, what was it, a cover two look, right? I think the corner kind of just sat there and, and played the flat, right? So, I mean, sometimes defensive coordinators are smart, you know? Like mm-hmm. it's going to happen. And I hate to tell everybody, breaking news, Tyler Buckner's going to throw an interception this year. He's going right. to throw a couple. Yeah, you know, it's, and he's going to throw a couple ugly ones, right? Yes, it's going to happen. He's a sophomore that has played one season as a starter in the last three years. That is the fact of the matter to this conversation, right? But I agree with you, Brian. It's the biggest thing. And I was talking about this from a personality perspective, but it goes the same with he comes off to me as a very studious young man. Mm -hmm. Like that's what he pops to me. You can tell that he really is articulate in how he sees the game. You can tell that he really enjoys kind of understanding the game at a deeper level. You can see those things. And then, Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, there were, I, I saw one live spring practice and I'm, you know, I'm basing this a little bit on one live spring, but his eyes are good, man. They're pretty good. He kind of, he sees things. He was holding safeties in the, in the, in this game, in the uh, practice that I saw. I, I know that I've talked to, to, uh, I've talked to Vince in the past about, you know, a couple of things that he saw of Tyler in, in a couple of practices he's been, and he's talked to me, same thing. Like the eyes just look like they're moving quick. They're moving, uh, you know, very fluidly through the process. And I think that those are big time things because, I think there is a misnomer about the arm strength a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, somebody was just talking about it on the yeah. message board earlier about like a noodle arm. Yeah, right? some I'm guy like, was no. like on the message board, like a friend of mine said that Tyler Buckner has a noodle arm. Yeah. And I'm like, and he goes, is that accurate? Or is my friend full of baloney? And I just, I didn't have the patience for it today. I just said, your friend's full of yes. baloney, right? Yes. I, I, know, he, I was just like. Right, dive into this, right? Because does Tyler, Tyler Buckner does not have a cannon. He does not have Malik Zaire's arm strength. He does not have Brandon sure. Wimbush's arm strength. He has he has the arm strength, however, to make all the throws he needs to make in this in this offense. Hundred percent. Yeah. Now it, there's no limiting arm strength to him. Does he have the strongest arm that we've seen of a Notre Dame quarterback coming through? Not right now, and probably will never get there. But it's still a good arm, man. Like he, he can make every level of the throw up. I mean, we saw just a little, you know, just little sample size of it last year. But I mean, you even think of the, the bucket throw to Kevin Austin in the Virginia oh, Tech game. Like that that arm that throw takes some arm strength to complete outside right. the numbers. Like that's not like right. a little, you know, just quick dink or something, man. Like he has good arm strength to him. And I think that the biggest thing for me, Brian, is one thing that you mentioned. I'm not as worried about the upper body mechanics either. I'm worried about the lower body mechanics. Right. And he has a strong lower half, man. As long as he's able to find that power in his lower half and right. keep a good base, 
I have no worries about the arm strength. It is going to be good and sufficient in that regard. I have two things about what you just said, Ryan. Number one is that is one of the most notable things that I had when we did that. You know, we'll drop, we'll repeat it now because it's been a while, but I dropped that pre, pre-camp Intel piece on the message board. And the, the most surprising thing to me that I had in there, I believe I had this in there, was that he was how good he was compared to the other quarterbacks when it came to mechanics. His his mechanics were really clean. I think Vince talked about that in the first practice, how you know his footwork was just really clean. And I think that's always the issue I have. And we I think we discussed this last week a little bit too. That's always my concern when you talk about a quarterback throwing off script and off platform is – is and changing arm angles is is does his feet need to be are are they where they need to be because that's when you have throw sail or dive or miss is when your feet get you in trouble and when you'd watch tyler buckner just drive a ball into the ground i've seen brandon wimbush drive balls into the ground brandon wimbush can throw the ball 70 yards he's got a cannon for an arm i've seen him just drive a little look screen into the ground why it's mechanics it was the mechanics were wrong with brandon it was upper body Brandon just could never get his release point. He was never comfortable with his release point at Notre Dame. They completely ruined his throwing motion. He could never just snap the ball off because he just, it was so mechanical because he just wasn't confident in what he was doing. With Tyler, it's not an upper body thing. It's a, it was a lower body thing when he would have mistakes and misses, uh, accuracy misses. And so I think when you go back and watch his high school film, even when you watch him last year, his ball placement is actually pretty good. When Tyler got off is when he would rush his mechanics. He had a couple throws against Virginia Tech where they baited him into an interception. That's a poor learning process. You can't make those mistakes, but he's seen it now. There were throws he sailed the ball because his feet got got out of out of whack. His feet weren't where they needed to be, and he would just miss. And those are the things that you continue to work on, work on, and work out. And that's what we've seen Tommy Reese really working on in the spring and fall and in the summer and now fall camp is making sure Tyler's feet are repeatable right make sure they're able to get in the place he needs to be and when that happens he throws the ball well the only question i have with tyler as a passer is not so much arm strength as much as i just need to see him be able to take the top off of a defense we haven't seen him do that we've seen him throw the outside go routes and that's fine i mean you're not throwing that ball 60 yards i mean if you do you're really late on the read that's a throw where you're hitting the top of your drop and you're just letting her rip and like we saw the throw to Kevin Austin, I mean, it was a it was a forty plus yard throw, and it dropped it right over his outside shoulder, you know. And and Kevin even kind of drifted outside a little bit on the throw, and it still dropped like right down the middle. But the ball was placed on the outside shoulder. Kevin drifted, and it got caught right here. There was the backside seam route he threw to Avery Davis in that game, which I thought was a really strong throw. That you saw him working through his read. That was not his primary read. He came back to the backside seam in that throw. And so I think those are the things you look at Tyler and you're saying, you know, we know he can make those throws, but we have not seen him do, and we didn't even see him do it a ton in high school, is just because he wasn't asked to do it, is can you bang that backside post route over the top? Can you take that front side over the top post route on a high-low concept where the safety comes up and you got to launch it over the top and get it over top of the corner? Those are the throws I need to see him make, Ryan. That's the only thing, the only thing that I question. And the only reason I question it is is just because we haven't seen him do it. I I think he's got the arm strength for it based on other throws he's made. But that's my question is can he knock that throw out? That's the one thing that I need to see. Okay, if he can make that throw, then this offense becomes scary because that's the one thing you say. If this kid can throw it over our head, he becomes really hard – and when I'm talking about throwing over your head, I, 
it's not about throwing over the corners heads. That's easy to do. You can do that on a 15-yard comeback route the way the corners play. It's the safeties. Can you throw it over the safeties heads? Because they are sort of the new – if you're going to have a team that's spying on a quarterback, it's going to be at the linebacker and safety level. That's the reality of it. And if the safeties can't come down because they're afraid of Tyler throwing it over their head, then then that puts you in a really tough spot, a really tough spot. Because you could go cover one and then play that true free, but now you've exposed yourself up the seams, and we've and now that's where who who's the guy that's going to be working up the seams? It's that number eighty seven, yep. right? So now you're in a situation where in order to still do it, you've got to you've got to play differently. So you'd like to be able to still play quarters. But if you're playing quarters against Tyler Buckner, because you know which side he's going to, and the reason I say let me, let's explain that yep. quarters is in, in a traditional sense like it is four deep. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the, like the modern quarters, right? Where safeties their first response is really kind of either flat footing or stepping down because they're alley players, and it's the corners that are playing the post, right? If you can beat them over the top in that look, then it they they're they're just going to have a hard time defending you that way. But if you can't beat it over the top, it's a great defense to have because it's easy for you to essentially have, in for all intents and purposes, Ryan, you're nine in the box. Yep. Because whatever side you run to, that safety inserts. They may not line up nine in the box because they don't because there's two safeties back. But for all intents and purposes, they're going to have nine in the box because they can get to the alley's field side and they get the alley boundary side in a quarter's defense. And that's going to be the best way to defend a kid like Tyler Buckner is to be able to play quarters defense. And that's why I harp so much on, can he bang that post over the top? Can he launch that deep seam route, you know, down the field against a safety where you've taken the corner out with maybe a deep comeback or a deep corner, or deep out where you've now neutralized that corner, you know, that quarters corner with a, an outside route. And now that safety has to open and run with your seam or with, you know, and, and those are the things you look at and say, Hey, if he can make that throw, then this offense becomes really, really scary. That's why I keep harping on that that downfield, over-the-top, middle-of-the-field type of throw because we haven't seen him do it, but that's the one that will scare defenses the most. It, it, it just will. They're going to be willing to give up a couple one-on-ones outside. They, they just are. But can and you beat Notre them over Dame, the top? Yeah, and at Notre Dame, Brian, I mean, we've, we, we've talked a bunch about the – lack of depth at wide receiver. But one thing that they don't lack is they got some speed, man. I mean, mm-hmm. even with Avery Davis going down, they still have Brain Lindsay who's pl- who's got speed. Lorenzo Styles Jr. was just on the freaks list. Like, he's a very athletic kid. Tobias Merriweather is going to win deep differently than those guys, but he can still do it. He's still a vertically oriented type of kid, as is Deion Colsey, if he is able to take that step. So you have guys that can win those routes. And – the best thing about that too, in my opinion, is there's going to be some games where like, it's just not going incredible. Right. But the ability to hit that explosive play is what kind of flips momentum in your favor. And I think Mm -hmm. that you're going to have those opportunities because like you're saying, they are going to have to account for Tyler Buckner. So they're going to try to get that extra defender up in the box. They're going to try to bring that extra guy into the alley. They're going to try to get those extra defenders to make sure the run does not kill you. And it's understandable. So when that happens, you need to be able to stretch it vertically. You're going to be able to take the top off to your points. Like you need those guys that are able to do that because again, if you are, then wow, we really need to start defending from the roof a little bit better. Oh, and then here comes Michael Mayer on a wide open inside dig or a, you know, a seam route kind of underneath a backside post or whatever it is, or an over route 
with the backside post. Those things will unlock this offense, and Tyler Buckner could do this because just his running threat is going to give you numbers advantage from the roof at times. Mm-hmm. And if he's able to hit those things, then at, at that point, your defensive coordinator is in quarrel. He's like, oh, man, how do, what do I do now? Like, I need to start getting creative. I need to start bringing extra pressure, sure. or do this, do that. He gets out of his comfort zone because he's like, I don't – because I think the biggest misnomer for me, and this is, this is purely my opinion, but as a defensive guy who is drawn to the defensive side of the football, Brian, when I call the defense – I did not want to blitz. I didn't want to. I want to get home with four, and I want to be creative on the second and third levels. That's how you create a lot of chaos and a lot of, and people think it. I'm bringing pressure when I feel like bringing pressure. I don't want to bring pressure because I'm in quarrel. We're like, oh my god, I I got no answers. Here, yeah, so I got to do. What have I always said, Ryan? Uh, any good coach, any good defensive coach, in my opinion, is going to have a philosophy as I want to blitz when I want to blitz, not because I have to. When you get in a situation where you have to blitz, you're in trouble. Some may hit. It's like we talked about the other day. Some are going to miss. And when they miss with Lorenzo Styles, Braden Lindsey, Chris Tyree, Logan Diggs, Audric Estime, Tyler Buckner, Tobias Merriweather, when you have those kind of – Michael Mayer, when you have those kind of athletes and you miss, they're big plays. And that's the risk that you run with this defense that maybe you – like teams low to the box a ton against Notre Dame in 2020, and there was no fear of Notre Dame hurting them. And there was two reasons for that, Ryan. Number one uh, – well, three reasons really. Number one is is Ian Book had not shown a willingness to throw the ball down the field in big games, right? No, The, the one game he did, he had a lot of success, Clemson, in, in the regular season. That's number one. Number two, Notre Dame did not use Ian Book as a runner. So there, there really wasn't that threat of, of, of him. And then number three, at the playmaker level, they didn't have home run hitters in the, in the 2020 offense outside of Chris Tyree. So when he wasn't on the field, you were worried about the, the size of the receiving core. And Avery Davis is fast, but they didn't use Avery Davis really as a vertical player all that much. I think you know the Clemson play obviously was big, but he was more often than not working the short to intermediate zones. So there really wasn't that vertical threat. And so teams are allowed to play Notre Dame really aggressively in 2020. This offense is different, not schematically so much, personnel-wise. That offense had one dynamic home run hitter that played much. Because remember, in 2020, Braden Lindsay got hurt in fall camp, was banged up most of the year, comes back for the Pitt game, gets hurt again against Pitt, and he just was never the same guy. So you didn't have him that, that year. You know, Kevin Austin played, what, two games, got hurt, and was out for the year. All your speed was gone at receiver. You had Javon McKinley, Ben Skoranek, Avery Davis, who they didn't use as a speed guy from the slot. And then Kyron Williams, as great as he was, wasn't a speed guy. You weren't afraid of him beating you for 80 yards. Now, he had a run like that, but it wasn't because of his speed. It, you know, he It was a different type of run. You can't defend Notre Dame that way now, Ryan. You can't defend Notre Dame where, hey, look, we're just going to you know, come down and be aggressive because we're not afraid of getting behind us. You have to be afraid now of them getting behind you. That's the only thing that I would be concerned about with these receivers right now if I'm an outsider looking in. Hey, I don't know if these guys can play, but I do know they can run. You know, I mean, if you're if you're Notre Dame's coach, I mean, think about this, Ryan. If you're Notre Dame's coaches and you're looking at this team and, and you're you're saying, okay, well, this is the defense that we run. And, you know, we have a game, them – playing against that type of defense, right, against Oklahoma State, one of our starters in the secondary is a guy that started in that game. What's the one thing Notre Dame did that whole game? 
especially early, they just ran right by them. They're just running by guys, which is why Oklahoma State kind of came up and did what they did. Hey, look, our only chance in this game is to just beat them up at the line of scrimmage. And, and um, you know, that's kind of what they did. And you can't – you know, you're going to try to see them do that again. But, you know, to me, the one thing I'm con- that, that I do know this group can do is run. And so are yes. other teams. What I don't know, can they get off the line? Can they effectively get open with their with their top ends? Can they work to find open spots in the zones now, now that Avery Davis is gone? Those things are all big question marks of receiver. But the one thing I know, Ryan, is they can run. And the other teams are going to know that too. And so it's going to make it very interesting to see how they defend it. Because if the pass game is rolling and it's truly being the complement to the run game, two things are going to happen that scare are going to scare the mess out of teams. Number one, can you, what we talked about, can you bang the vertical stuff over in the middle deep seams against, you know, against cover four, or if they're, if they're playing man, you know, taking the top off of stuff with post routes and go, you know, those type of different things. But then the other one is sort of the stuff that's working across because with Tyler Buckner, you're going to have that first, that second level is going to be a little bit more aggressive coming down and then if you can protect those deep routes, then what that does is the stuff that Alabama killed people with in 2020. Alabama absolutely murdered defenses in 2020 with Devontae Smith finding that spot in the sort of the uh, – it's not intermediate. It's not deep. It's sort of that deep intermediate, I guess, where they would take the top off the defense. I mean, and they would design it this way. Sark was great at this. He would take his two front side receivers – or his one backside receiver, depending on where they were bringing Devontae from, and just run off the front side, just take the safeties in the corner out, and then you'd have Devon kind of Devontae would kind of then find that sweet spot in behind the linebackers, and because they ran the safeties off, there was this big window over top. And then when they would do it off a of play action, it made it even better because you had to respect Najee Harris, and you're seeing yeah. Devontae Smith like, how is this guy getting that open? It's because because you, no you have no mid hole defender, yeah, exactly. right? Because yep. you got to protect the deep stuff, and then you got to protect against Najee because you also know they're going to dump it down to Najee in space, and he's going to go do something with it. That's what makes you so dangerous to defend. So, if Tom, and I know Tommy Reese is going to design that stuff because we saw him doing it in the second half of the year when he finally felt confident they could get the quarterback some time to throw. Did it against Georgia Tech, I think the first play of the game, and he did it really early against Stanford as well, and he was doing it with Kevin Austin where he was finding that spot kind of behind the linebackers in front of the deep coverage. And if you can do that with Tyler Buckner quarterback, then that is now where you start getting really like defender coaches like, what the heck, what am I supposed to do now? You know, now that is not, and here's the, here's why this is important. All that stuff we just talked about is not dependent on having Devontae Smith, right? It's not dependent on having elite receivers. It's stuff schematically. If you just have good players can work because of how good your how dynamic your quarterback is because we're talking about all that with a quarterback at Alabama in 2020 that went into the playoff right with minus nine rushing yards on the season sure you know so it, it, it that's why we talk about why it's important to to have a kid like Tyler that can make plays with his legs because it does it's just another example of how that's taking the pressure off of your receiving core which you have questions about going into the season you well, as in to, Notre Dame referring, not you, Ryan, yeah, but you as no, in I got Notre you. And to your point about the middle of the field stuff too, Brian, I think we always, when we always talk about RPOs, we always talk about that overhang defender, right? That you're kind of riding to see if he's going to come into the box or stay out there. But to your point also, it's the middle linebacker that if he gets sucked up, 
That's what makes that little arrow route or slant or whatever you want to call it off the RPO. That's why that thing gets always wide open, right? It's because they Mm -hmm. can't establish leverage working inside out anymore if you're a coverage linebacker. So those things are huge. And and it's, it's something where that is a great way to also get Tyler Buckner comfortable throwing just to the middle of the field in general, because that's one thing for young quarterbacks at times is like throwing outside the numbers one-on-one, like doing all that type of stuff. That stuff comes easy usually, right? right? Throwing in the middle of the field sometimes, you get like that kind of like, oh, is is there is there a defender leaking down? Into a the, lot more into bad things window. can happen yes. over the middle of the field than a, lot, a one-on-one a lot more shot on the outside. <laughs> yep, yep. I just think about like robber coverages or like, you know, <laughs> it, it, disguising that safety and bringing them down as a mid-hole defender yeah. instead of dropping back the single high, like – so Ryan, if you things. miss outside, a lot of times, as long as you just way under throw it, it's gonna just be an incomplete pass. If you miss, yep. if you miss over the middle on a dig route and the ball hits a guy's hands, it, it, it can get picked off by the guy in front. It can get picked off the guy in behind. There's so many bad things that could happen, and that's like I think Ian Book had that problem. It's like he just he would freeze. He just couldn't make that throw to your point because mm-hmm. it can get in your head. Like last time I threw this ball. It got tipped and picked off. It's it's a throw that requires some guts. Even if a guy's open, it's a it's a it's a mindset thing that not all quarterbacks have. And a lot of interceptions happen when teams are in some type of zone coverage. Mm-hmm. That happens because their eyes are back to the line of scrimmage. They can see things happening in front of them. Typically, outside corners are going to play more man than what you're going to see in the middle of the field, almost always, right? Like mm-hmm. linebackers are going to zone drop. Safeties are going to play their, you know, deep middle or deep, or or halves or whatever deep third, whatever they're working with in that scenario, and their eyes are back to the line of scrimmage. So throwing over the middle in those cases, those linebackers are, I mean, they're zone dropping, like they have their eyes to the quarterback and they are reading eyes in that regard too. So those things could be a little tough, but to your point, Brian, if you have players that can run guys off that can threaten vertically that opens the middle of the field so much off of RPO off of regular, just kind of pass concepts, mm-hmm. opening that middle of the field for a younger quarterback is paramount. Don't make them overthink it, get, scheme it open so that they now get comfortable, not only attacking the outside, but also attacking the middle of the field. I think that's huge. And I think it's big time. And those are a lot of times things, Ryan, to come with simplified reads. Like, you know, like not every play, and, and this is true of the most complex co- – and matter of fact, it's actually even more true of the complex systems where there are a lot of times – like you watch – and you're a Rams fan. Tell me if this is not true. There are times when Sean McVay has like these really complex – you know, not complex – guys, but they're they're all doing that not with the intention of, well, we're hoping one of these guys gets open. They're all doing that because they think they know what coverage is coming and then think they can use all that stuff to open up so-and-so coming across on a drag route or on an undercut or one of those type of things. And so you may have five guys in route, but your read is really two guys. It's I'm banging this deep drag over the top or I'm checking it down to my running back in the flats. Mm -hmm. All the other stuff is just used to manipulate the defense. Now a quarterback's going to be savvy enough that if a guy blows a coverage outside, you're still banging the go route. But more often than not, you're isolating that. And those are things that when Tommy Reese, I think, has had some really good schemes with that last year, late in the year, that's the stuff that you say that is also it may look complicated, but you're actually simplifying that for your young quarterback. Not everything is a one, two, three, four read. There are going to be things where and I think Tyler Buckner's capable. You mentioned this earlier about his mind for the game. He's capable of going past his second read. I think we've seen him do that in college. 
But the big thing is, is you don't want to have, if you're going to throw the ball 30 times, which I think is a reasonable number, right? 30 times is not a lot when you, especially when you include, there's going to be minimum five RPO attempts, right? Like, let, I mean, I think that's fair to say there are going to be of those, let's say, let's just say there's five RPO attempts, 30 attempts overall. I would say of that, of that next 25 throws, right? I'd say close to half, maybe slightly less than half are going to be plays where you basically have a two man read because you're running some sort of play action, right? Where it's a, you know, we're, we're going post to dig something like that, where we have max pro, there's only maybe two, three guys, even in the route. One guy's just taking the top off the defense. Then there's going to be other plays where you're designing using your, your personnel, your motions and shifts to then isolate a, a route that we like, right. As an offensive staff. And so the, the reality is maybe, maybe 13 to 15 throws a game. If you're throwing 30 times, are going to be full field reads mm-hmm. in, in this offense. I think that's certainly manageable. And I think Tyler's capable of effective, effectively executing that. And I think that I would, I would err on the side of, because I do think Tommy Reese is a smart coach. Mm-hmm. I would err on the side of more of those lower, like, reads early on of the season to get Tyler rolling. Yeah. I think those things are going to be, those things are going to be important. It, it just like, look, if you can find ways to get him comfortable, I think that's where you say, okay, you can use some of those reads. And then when he's got to read full field, you know, you'll feel a lot better about, you know, kind of where, where you are. And, and I think those are the, those are the aspects. I Again, this is a prediction, not giving you any Intel. This is just my opinion. I think we will see more of that. We see all this stuff going on, Ryan. Motions, you're gonna mo- you're gonna shift your side across, then bring this guy on this, and then do all this stuff. When in reality, there's one read. I'm doing all this other stuff because we think we know what we're gonna get coverage wise, and we're trying to isolate this. And if we don't get what we want coverage wise, then we're just throwing the check swing out to Chris Tyree, which is exactly what they did on the first play of the game against Oklahoma State. They thought they were gonna have a downfield shot. Oklahoma State covered it up, so you just threw a swing route to Chris Tyree, and he ran for 20 yards. You know what I mean? There's going to be stuff like that too. And I think that's why when you talk about why are we, why do we like what Tommy Reese does schematically? It's stuff like that. It just wasn't always executed really well last year because of mainly the offensive line. But I think those are things that when you add a dynamic runner like Tyler Buckner, that's what you start getting excited about. And then, you know, maybe they don't have any great receivers, but again, know what they do have guys can run and brain Lindsay doesn't have to have great technique and all these other things that people criticize him for to say, I'm going to motion you down and have you run – you're going to aim for 25 to 30 yards across the field, and you're going to outrun that guy. You know what? Braden can do that, right? Mm-hmm. And and then if he adds the other parts to it, then obviously you're better off. But, you know, even even for people who criti- who criticize Braden Lindsay, you should at least be able to admit that he can do that. Sure. And, and we saw him, Tommy do a good job of scheming that stuff for him last year at times. So, Ryan, that's kind of why you look at it. And there's none of those throws I'm thinking about. None of those throws, with the exception of that deep post, are throws that I have any concern about Tyler Buckner making because we've seen him make them. That's the reality of it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And he can, cha- he can change the narrative really quick. I mean, it's right. just, it's one of those things where it's not that you necessarily think he can't do. It's just you haven't seen it at this right. point, right? Like, that's the question. It's not a question because you say, oh, I, I don't know if he has the arm strength to make the throw, yada, yada, yada. It's literally only a concern for you because you're, you just literally have not seen him do it yet. Mm-hmm. So that is the big determiner. I agree. I think that we're, I, I, I think we're going to see some points early on in the season where it's about making things easy and comfortable. Kind of like you said, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's why we're always talking about like, Hey, maybe you roll Tyler Buckner out and give him an easy read that way. Or maybe, Hey, maybe you go and flex and it's just all hitches and Tyler throw to where you got the, the most cushion as a, from a corner or a safety or whatever it is. So I think there's, I think there's merit to getting a guy comfortable, and then there's also merit to we got to let this guy loose a little bit, right. right? And whenever that, whenever he is able to get loose, he's got to make him, he's got to right. make him pay because the right. biggest thing, the biggest sell to Tyler Buckner, because I think he can do a little bit of everything. Like I think he can be that dink and dunker down the field and kill you on the short game, intermediate, do all that stuff. But the big thing for me, Brian, is that the biggest sell to Tyler Buckner, in my opinion is that he can create explosive plays. He has right. that type of upside. And you need right. to make sure that he can also do that in the passing game. If he can, right. then the kid's a headache. The kid's and, a headache to deal with. And that's going to be the fun stuff. He's going to be scrambling. You're going to come flying down. All of a sudden, he just snops, stops and throws it over your head. You know, it's like, oh, dang it. We thought we had him. And that's going to be what's fun to see. Now, can he limit the mistakes, right? What are the concerns about Tyler Buckner? What are the question marks you have going into the season? Number one, it's most obvious. Can he stay healthy, right? That's understandably going to be the biggest question mark with Tyler Buckner. And we consider nitpick, well, this is really what happened here, and he just had the one. The, the reality is, is he missed a game last year, he missed the blue-gold game, and he missed his entire sophomore year than the injury. I'm not going to argue with someone who th- who's concerned about his, him being able to stay healthy. I also think you couple that with his playing style, then I think that that's obviously a concern. The one thing I would say to do is when you play Ohio State, when you play Clemson, when you play USC, everything's on the table. If you got to run Tyler Buckner 25 times to beat Ohio State, then you run Tyler Buckner 25 times to beat Ohio State. But you don't come back the next week against Marshall and do the same thing. You don't need that to beat Marshall. You don't need that to beat Cal. I mean, we're just being honest, right? Like, there's the whole, well, you know, look, you respect all your opponents and and any given Saturday. Okay, that's all true. But you also have to be smart and say, if you need Tyler Buckner to scramble around and run the ball 20 times to beat Marshall, you got way bigger problems than whether or not Tyler Buckner can or can't stay healthy. Right. 100%. So you got to be smart with it. That's where maybe you enhance some other parts of your game while still you, you're not, you don't not run them. It's just, you be smart about it. That's obviously a, a, a part to this conversation as well, but he's got to be able to hold up and answer the bell each week. The second one is related to his lack of experience, and this is true of this was true of a question mark of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud going into last year. It's true of every young quarterback. What will his level of consistency be? 
Will he be a guy that one week looks looks like the world beater five star upside kid that you and I think that he has, or or what? Or will this be the week he looks like a redshirt freshman that hasn't really started a game in three years? Right, like that's the question. Like, how much does he go to one side of that, or is he kind of right down the middle? How quickly can he become a consistent quarterback, not just week to week, but then series to series, and then play to play? That's the other question mark. Just from a you thing, he's got to show it. And then I think the third piece for me when it comes to Tyler Buckner, Ryan, is, you know, I want to see how young players that are dynamic playmakers can can make one of two big mistakes as first-year starters. One, it is this. It's you are too reckless and you turn the ball over a bunch. Two, you're afraid of turning the ball over, so you take away some of your playmaker ability. How quickly can Tyler Buckner find that sweet spot? That is going to be the big question mark for me. That's going to go a long way towards determining just how good he can be this year. And that's also partly why I think it was really smart for them to, I mean, look, they announced the decision, what, eight days into fall camp. If we're being honest, the snaps were basically split up as Tyler Buckner is a starter from the minute camp started. I mean, that's just, that's just the reality of it. And now that he is established a starter, you're going to continue to see his his snaps be increased to where he's going to have a get a lot of work in, which is why it was smart to make the decision now. And mm-hmm. the team knows, he knows, and now it's time to get ready. And now you got what a little less than three weeks to get ready for Ohio State, right? Or about three weeks to get ready we for Ohio even, State. We didn't even talk about that in in the last episode, Brian. And it's a great point is the fact that he hasn't played a ton, right? Like right. he's the type of kid where I want to have live bullets because honestly. I'm okay with him making a couple mistakes from here, here or there. I should expect it because honestly, because he is, he's testing out what his limits are, right? Like you don't know your, you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it, right? And that's a really complicated mm-hmm. saying, I know, but it is something where Tyler Buckner is not going to know the throws that he can't make until he tries to make it and he can't. Like that's just mm-hmm. the reality of it. He doesn't. It's like Trey Lance last year that came out of North Dakota State, right? I didn't think that Trey Lance was a guy that needed to sit back and just watch, although that's mm-hmm. pretty much what San Francisco did. He's a player that needs to play. Tyler Buckner needs to play football. And I think that that's a great point that let's get the decision out of the way. You knew who the starting quarterback was. Let's give him all the first team reps because he literally needs to see different types of coverages, different defenses. He needs to work through his offense. He needs to see the game and he needs live bullets at the end of the day. So I think yeah. that was a great point by you. It's just the fact that like, Let's all remember, he needs to play. He right. needs to play. He needs to play. Right. He needs to learn what he can do. He needs to learn what he can't do. And all this stuff right now, the timing of everything, yeah. I think is incredibly beneficial for him to get those live bullets. This is going to sound weird, but if I don't hear about Tyler Buckner throwing some interceptions in fall camp, I'm going to get nervous. I am, because there's two options as to why that's true. One is he is playing at such a high level that he's going to go out and win the Heisman Trophy this year. I, I don't think that's mm-hmm. that's the reason, right? Uh the second reason is, is he's afraid to take shots. He's not like you, you made, you made a great point. And I'm saying this in response to what you just said, Ryan, you said, yep. you don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know it. Right. And that is the thing is like, you don't know if you can make this throw or not. And guess what is the perfect time to do it? Monday, August 15th. <laughs> you know what I mean? To where when you make that mistake and you know, the linebacker picks you off or the safety picks you off or whatever the case may be, you get in the film room, didn't cost you anything. You get in the film room, you say, okay, Here's what happened on the throw. You shouldn't have made the throw. Or, hey, I like where your head's at, but
which you should have thrown it sooner or you should have thrown it later or whatever the case. You should have put more air on it. You should have zipped it, whatever the, the need may be. Hey, I like this cover two throw you tried to make there. You got picked off the safety by the safety because you let it hang up a little too much. Get that throw out there with a little bit more zip and velocity. And then the next time he throws, he throws it on the flat line drive in the cover and Cam Hart comes underneath it and picks it off. And that's how you learn, okay, here's the sweet spot for that throw. How did you get to that point? Because I got picked off twice doing it the wrong way each way. You know what I mean? And that's what you want to see in practice. And that was sort of my issue with the last two quarterbacks ago is he Mm -hmm. just would not make mistakes in practice because in team situations, he would just take the check down, take the check down. And I'm okay with that to a degree, but it's like, hey, can you maybe just try to bang a dig route in practice? That'd be cool. Just give it a shot. See if it happens. See if it works for you. And, and I think those are the things that you, you, you want to hear that he's making those mistakes. Now, if, if, I guess the third reason would be he's not making picks because the defense stinks, and I think we both know that's not the reason. But right. I, I don't mind hearing that. I actually kind of want to see that, especially now. Like, I could understand him having a little bit of hesitancy to make those. And I don't know if he did or didn't. We weren't. We saw one full practice, and there was no pads on. I don't know if he is doing right. these things or not. I'm just theoretically. Now that he's been named the starter, you're not going to change your mind because you had a couple bad practices in a row. He's sure. the starter. Now is like, okay, Tyler, you're the guy. We're showing faith in you. Now let her rip. If you make mm-hmm. a mistake, we'll coach it up on the field. We'll get in the film room. We'll figure it out, and we'll move on to the next one. And we may realize, hey, this pass concept doesn't work. Tyler just can't do this. So then you move on to something else. And right. so I think those are the things you need to see. And, and it comes from, Ryan, as you mentioned, it comes from reps, getting those first team reps, the starter reps from a volume standpoint, I think it's very important. And then the final piece is it's important too, because if you're in a quarterback battle, one day you're working with the twos, the next day you're working with the ones. That's all good early in fall camp. That's actually something I would always encourage coaches to do, even if you have a starter. Like if I'm if I'm Ryan Day, this is just my philosophy, and maybe they do this, maybe they don't. Maybe third or fourth day of practice, I'd say, hey, Kyle McCord, you're going to run with the ones during this team period. Why am I doing that? Am I challenging CJ Stroud? And am I trying to put no? I'm trying to say, what if CJ has to come out? What if he right. sprains his ankle? What if you know he gets called for targeting because he tackles the guy wrong on an interception? I mean, there's a million things that could happen. I need to know that Kyle McCord has reps with the first team offense, that he's thrown to Marvin Harrison, that he's th- he's handed off to Travion Henderson and knows where the level that he likes the ball and the timing with which Travion gets downhill and he's communicated in the line has heard a cadence with him as quarterback. Those things are all important early in fall camp. But now it's like, okay, now it's time to start getting ready to go beat Ohio State on September 3rd, and that's going to be the key. So I think the timing of it was really good. And you know the final piece to it too, Ryan – it shows me that Marcus Freeman and Tom Reese don't give a rip about playing mind games. They mm-hmm. care about make, getting their team ready, right? And you and I, they're not going to beat Ohio State because they played this game of, oh, who's our starting quarterback? Because Ohio State's going to prepare for Tyler Buckner anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I like the fact that they're just like, let's get it over with. Our players don't have to answer it anymore. We can, It's out there. He's our guy. Let's roll. Let's go get ready to play. I thought that was a smart move by two young football coaches. And we, we talked about it, Brian. I mean, to the timing of everything, like you said, it's there's some merit to waiting a little bit to get those reps and to kind of give a fair – Make him earn it. Yeah, make him earn it. Yeah. yeah. But I really do think that it was perfect timing for a lot of the re- – for many of the reasons you said. And then also, 
I don't like delaying things that are the inevitable, right? Like, you know that Tyler Buckner was the guy. We were talking about it before spring. We're like, you know, it's it's a competition, but, like, it's only a competition until Tyler finally, you know, puts that last cherry on top. Is like, yeah, this is my job, right? So let's not. And Drew you know, earned the right to at least give it, be given a chance to go out there early yes. on and beat Tyler out. I think Drew earned 100%. that. 100%. Yep. So it, it was one of those things where the writing was on the wall. Everyone understands their role in this football team. The team knows who the starter is. Team, the team is comfortable with the starter and comfortable with the backup, too. Because I mean, he hasn't had a ton of reps, but Drew Pine's played some football, obviously, mm-hmm. last year for Notre Dame. So I think it's a perfect situation. And going back to a point that you made before, I think having Drew, Drew Pine in this room is, is a big-time yeah. thing because – Tommy Reese, I mean, you talk about having that backup and being able to, to to fill in at times and do all that type of stuff. Who knows better than that than Tommy Reese backing up Ever Golson, right? right. Year. I mean, Tommy Reese was an important player for that team that year. I mean, he came in in a couple couple tight spots where he, he needed to play well to, to win a football game. And I think that that's the same thing for me is that Drew Pine gives you some insurance, I think, in that regard. It, that is a fascinating point. And and it really goes twofold, Ryan, because you have a quarterbacks coach who, within the last twelve years, has been in both of these kids' shoes. He's been the young quarterback thrust into the starting lineup, playing in big games. He knows what that pressure's like. He started four games as a freshman. His first, I believe, his first home start was against top fifteen Utah in a game where Notre Dame was a huge underdog because they were four and five. Then you go into a situation where you move on to your second season and he's a starter there. Then the roles were reversed. And in 2012, he was the backup that had to show the leadership because the starter was more of a playmaker, but not the most vocal guy in the world. It is really fascinating to think about that Tommy Reese has literally been in both of their shoes right now and can can speak to ex- from experience at Notre Dame of what both of these kids are going through. I never really thought about that, but that is a fascinating point, Ryan. A fascinating well, I mean, you, point. You said in the beginning of the show, Brian, that Coach Reese made it a point to talk about how important Drew yeah. Pine was to this football team. And I think it's honestly because he's been there. Like he's seen right. the game from that perspective. Like that is a very unique perspective. Yeah, the more and talented, t- dynamic, younger player that uh, I can't do the things he can do. I get it. Sure. I, get, I don't sure. like it, but I get it. But I don't think anybody would sit here and say that Tommy Reese wasn't an important player during that 2012 season. Like, he had his role every single day and when he was called upon in games, and he did a lot for the program that year. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, who knows? Drew Pine is probably going to be counted upon for a big moment, maybe, during the season. But at worst, you know that every day he's going to come to practice, he's going to challenge, he's going to have Mm -hmm. that energy, and he's going to be a really good teammate. You know those things about Drew Pine. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, I I love that point, Ryan. I love that point. Drew Pine, to me, too, I think this is going to help him. And this may sound strange, but I feel like big part of the problem that Drew had in the spring is he was pushing. He was forcing too much. He was trying to keep up with Tyler. Like, Tyler made this play. I got to go try to fit this ball into triple coverage. And it was hurting him. He wasn't making the plays he needed to make. I kind of feel like if Drew responds to this the way that I think he's going to respond to it, which is I don't expect him to like it, and honestly, I hope he doesn't like it. I I, I hope that Drew Pine's like, no, I'm cool. I'm cool being the backup. It's all good. I would not – I would think less of him. I don't think that's his mentality. 
but I think he understands it and he accepts it, right? There's a difference between liking something and accepting something, right? And I think Drew understands that. He comes from his, he has a very strong uh, family background where he's going to get good support for this from home to where it's going to be, hey man, look, I know you don't like it. I get it, but you know what? Go out there and this is your role and, and own it and do the best that you can. That's the advice I got from my dad when I got replaced by a younger player. You know, I was a starter. I didn't feel it was fair. I didn't think it was right. My dad thought it was wrong, but his advice was also, but you still got to be there for your teammates. You still got to go out there and do what you got to do and be a good teammate and embrace that role. And, you know, and that's that's the reality of it. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of where it, it needs to be. That's where that's where this process needs to to, to move for Drew because, as you said, Notre Dame is going to need Drew Pine this year. And, and when people hear that, they automatically think, Ryan, that it's about he's going to have to step in and play like Tommy did in 2011. That may not be true. But even if Drew Pine doesn't take a meaningful snap this entire season, Notre Dame is going to need Drew Pine for the reasons 100%. we talked about at the beginning. They need him locked in mentally. He can still challenge Tyler. It's just different now. Challenge him in the film room. Challenge him on the field. Hey, man. Let's go, dude. You got to, you, you, did you not see that back? You got to do that, man. We need you to make that throw. And that's if, if they do have the relationship we're told that they have. Okay. Then that's something I think Tyler can embrace that role. And yeah. I hope that he does because, or excuse me, uh, Drew embraces that role because that's where he can have a really big impact this year without throwing a single meaningful snap. And if you talk to people that were around the team in 2012, they'll tell you that's what Tommy did with Everett. He wasn't just waiting on Everett to get hurt. Tommy had a role because he then said, hey, I don't like it, but Everett's the guy. I kind of put myself in this situation a little bit in the offseason. Tommy, that didn't happen with Drew. But, hey, the team needs me to be a sort of a – not a mentor to Everett. I don't think Drew Pine needs to be a mentor to to Tyler Buckner. He doesn't have the experience to be that kind of player. But to be that kind of guy that, hey – you and I are friends. I can speak this truth to you. You got to stop making that mistake. Or you did you not see that? Or you're talking him through in the film room and then using his IQ to then help make Tyler Buckner better. That's the other way that I think Drew Pine can help this football team that no one's going to talk about if he doesn't step on the field and make plays. But I promise right. you, we will start hearing those stories after the season or at the end of the season if it's true. If Tyler Buckner stays healthy all year and has that kind of year, you're going to start hearing stuff from behind the scenes about the role that Tyler, that Drew Pine has. And it'll sound like it's a fluffy story to just throw love at Drew Pine, but I promise you it'll be a real thing. And it'll be something that helps this football team be better. That's why I say, I don't care if Drew Pine takes a meaningful snap all season. And honestly, I kind of hope he doesn't because I don't want, because it's the two, the reasons why are bad. Tyler Buckner gets hurt or sick or Tyler Buckner not playing well. Both are bad. So this is going to sound bad. As much as I love Drew Pine, I hope he doesn't take a meaningful snap all year. But even if he doesn't, I promise you, Drew Pine's going to have a big impact on this football team because of all the other stuff he brings to the table and the fact that he can find that role where he's going to be sort of the guy that pushes Tyler in in more ways than just, hey, I had a great practice. You better step up or I'm coming for your job. Look, he's the starter, right? That's just the reality. I don't care. If Drew Pine goes out there, goes 20 for 20 in the next scrimmage, he's not starting. That's not the pushing we're talking about. Now, it kind of does, right? Because Tyler's like, you can't slack off just because you're a starter now, right? But it's the other part of it. And I think that's going to have a big part of what they're doing. 
One thing I loved about Tommy was I'm not surprised that he took the role that he was given and just kind of kept competing at a high level. Because one thing about Tommy Reese is he's a very competitive person. I see that easily. Mm -hmm. And I get the same vibes, not the same personality, but similarly to Drew Pine, where he has some personality to him, right? Like I can tell that that kid really is a competitive young man. And I don't think Mm -hmm. that he's going to stop competing just because he's named the backup and not the starter. So I think I agree. Every single day, I expect him to push Tyler to his limits because I just think that's personality-wise. I think that's who Drew Pine is, and I think that is huge for this team overall. Yep, absolutely. Here's the final piece to this, Ryan, that I think is fascinating. Now, I said all that about the meaningful snaps and all that kind of stuff, but I do think Notre Dame has to think hard about how they're going to handle reps this season. I think you and I both agree we don't want to see a two-quarterback system. I don't want to see – we said this, if if Drew starts, then I want to see a, a two-quarterback system because if Drew Pine is your starting quarterback and Tyler Buckner's healthy and he's not your red zone quarterback, you're not doing it right, in my opinion, right? Like just kind of you know hyperbolic to prove a point. When Tyler's your starter, there isn't another role for Drew Pine, in my opinion. So what I, what I want to see is – or consider is because here's the deal. Drew's a junior and he's smart and all that. He's only played in two games, like any meaningful snaps in two games. That's it. Tommy started four games as a freshman and played almost all the 2011 season as a starter. And so, uh, you know, to me, I want to see, I want to see a situation where, you know, when you look at Drew and you, and you say, okay, this kid, it's a, it's a weird dynamic. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say it right. Tyler needs work. You said that earlier, but you know who else needs reps? Drew, because he's in a situation where he's only played meaningful snaps in two games, Ryan. And so do you get in a situation where you don't do the two quarterback system, but maybe you go to your backup in some games a little earlier than you normally would. So let's say you're up 31 to seven in the third quarter against Marshall. Maybe you take Tyler out before you take the rest of the first team offense out to get drew some extra work. That's going to be a really interesting dynamic too. Again, it's not against Ohio State or I mean I hope it's against Ohio State because if they're winning 31 to 7 in the third quarter. No, you know what? Even if it's 31-7 in the third quarter with that offense, nope, we're still scoring because that team can score quick. Uh but you know, in some of these games, Ryan, I am interested to see how they handle okay, how do we also get Drew some much needed reps that that in some of those situations, knowing that Tyler also needs those game reps. It's going to be a really interesting dynamic. And I hope we find the answer out to that, like early, like the first two home games, if I'm being honest with you. It's, it's a fascinating thing because it's, I mean, it's like you said, Brian, it's not like you have a proven commodity quarterback that just doesn't need those reps, Right. right? Like you only need him to have the valuable reps to run the big games. Like he also needs to play. So it's trying to balance those things out to make two, two players happy that, deserve an opportunity if we're being completely honest, like they are. And you need to keep Drew Pine also ready just in case, like you need to have those reps involved. So it is going to be fascinating. I mean, I'll be at the first home game against Marshall. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that I'll see Drew Pine during that game a little bit, you know, like I'm hoping that I don't see Tyler Buckner take every single snap against, against Marshall. That'd be a bad sign. That would be a very bad sign. If it took, uh, took one quarterback to beat the Thunder, it would be not a great sign. So Mm. You had to pick your spots a little bit with it. I think that you have to be a little creative at points with it, but I genuinely believe 
that both quarterbacks need to play for different reasons. Like we need Tyler yeah. Buckner to play because he needs to see the game and he's inexperienced and he's a starting quarterback. You also need Drew Pine to play because he is your main backup and he's a guy that is one literally one snap away, something bad right. happening from being the guy, right? So right. both these guys are both inexperienced for their roles, different roles, but they both need to play because they need to maximize their opportunity right. because we just talked this whole time about Tyler Buckner's most important player on this team. But Drew Pine is also very important. He's not, you know, there's not like, it, like it's not like, oh, he's the backup. It doesn't matter anymore. Like, no, right. Drew Pine's a very important football player. We've seen right. this role be important in the past for Notre Dame. So they both need reps. It's going to be interesting to see how they balance that out. Because we talked about this the other day, right? 20, so they've had 12 seasons, per, you know, of Brian Kelly. 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. So each of Brian Kelly's first, what, eight or nine seasons, a second quarterback was needed at some point. Yep. Whether it was now in, in a lot of those years, you had mo- so 10, 11, 12, 14, 15. So in all but the 2013 season, you had one quarter, you had two quarterbacks start a game. 13, I don't believe you had a second quarterback start. That was the year Everett was suspended. But you mm-hmm. did need at you, but Tommy did get knocked out of the USC game, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And they had to bring in, um, they had to bring in, uh, Andrew Andrew Hendricks off the bench. Mm -hmm. So even though he didn't start a game, you needed him to come in and, you know, hold on to a lead. So uh, like you said, it's, it's, it's history shows that you kind of need that. It's funny the Ian book out other than missing the Florida state game, his first year as a starter was a pretty durable quarterback. I mean, give him credit. He was pretty durable quarterback and played through, played through some injuries and some things like that. You know, last year, obviously Jack Cohn started every game. But needed to be, you know, he got hurt against Wisconsin and then per, poor performance. So Drew Pine came in last year twice for different reasons one injury, yeah. one performance related. And hopefully you don't get into that this year. But, you know, if it does, you want to make sure that, that Drew is ready to, to, to play. So, final question that I have for you, Ryan, and this is kind of impromptu. I didn't tell you that we're going to discuss this, but it just kind of popped in my head with the quarterback position. What does statistically what is what is the kind of season that if I were to tell you Ryan I have looked into the future and I only had a very brief glimpse and all I know is that Notre Dame was in the playoff I don't know what happened in the playoff I don't know I couldn't see stats Notre Dame's in the playoff what do you think Tyler Buckner's numbers need to look like not predicting what they will be but what do they need to look like for him to be a quarterback that can lead Notre Dame to the college football playoff for the college football playoff I think but from a passing perspective, we need to look around. I think 3,000 yards is the number, but I think that's give or take 200, right? Like you can you can sell me on 2,800 yards, 2,800 yards being enough. You can sell me on 3,200 being a necessity. Like those are the things where I just kind of see 3,000 as a number and that we can take one way or the other. Rushing yards, I think he needs to be a valuable member of this offense. So I think it's 500 to 700 yards, somewhere in that ballpark. You need to be a substantial part of this rushing attack, in my opinion. You don't need to be the number one rusher on the team, but you need to have your your impact felt. So mm-hmm. 3,000 yards, give or take 100 to 200 here and there. Rushing, I need five to 700 yards. 
touchdowns, I need at least 35 total touchdowns. That's the number for me. If, if you have 35 or more total touchdowns, I think you're in a good spot as far as being the main main catalyst for a successful offense. So for me, and again, we're talking regular season here. Uh, to me, I'm comfortable with your 3,000-yard number, although I will say – I've kind of been around 3,500 yards is kind of where you need to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say 3,500 to 3,700 is where he needs to be in the regular season of combined yards. Yep. You know, that's, you know, 300 kind of 3,000 in the regular season gets him a little under 260 per game, Mm -hmm. which if Tyler Buckner's thrown for over 250 a game and also dropping at least five, at least 500 yards rushing on the season, which I think, I could see him going higher there. Like I, I really could, but if he's yeah. doing that and I think you're, you're correct. I think 35 touchdowns, I would even argue that maybe there's a case for 40 needs to be the number because of how many he can run in, I think is, is really get you where you want to be. That, that would make this offense. Re- it, number one, he'd have to be healthy to get there because like you talk about like 260 yards is in a ton. There's going to be games he throws for 350, And then sure. there's going to be games. He throws 175 because they just maul a team and he doesn't throw a pass mm-hmm. beyond the, you know, 10 minute mark of the second quarter, really, you know, other than some RPOs. And and so I think that's going to, that, I think those are comfortable I'm numbers. I'm comfortable with, I would say to, to, to make me feel co- really good about him being a playoff team. I think probably closer to 37 to 3,800 is if you were to tell me Tyler Buckner is going to have 3,800 yards of total offense this year and about 40 touchdowns, I'd say, boy, that Notre Dame offense is going to be hard to beat. I, I really would. And again, I know, I mean, CJ, you know, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud had over 44, 4,500 yards. I think Bryce had about 4,800 yards last year. CJ yes. was around 4,500 yards last year. Different offenses, the, lot, very different offenses. So I think for Notre Dame and what they do, you get around that 3,800 yard mark, Ryan. That's a, that's going to be a pretty good, a pretty good day. Pretty 100%. good day. So, Ryan, that's going to wrap up our quarterback breakdown. I think it's a fascinating thing, and I think we both agree that you we hope that Notre Dame doesn't get in a situation where they need to go to the third quarterback. And not, that's not a knock on Steve Angel. You just never want to be in a situation where you've had that many injuries that you got to go to your third quarterback. So the focus here, obviously, is we kind of look at the season and the expectations. It really does come down to Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine. Mm-hmm. So that's going to wrap up our quarterback breakdown. Don't go anywhere because we do have a mailbag coming up. But before we move to the mailbag, we do ask that you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. Ryan, we are over 1,000 subscribers on our new CFB Nation channel. Uh, Sean and I are going to start populating that. We have actually put some videos on there. We have our ACC, our Big Ten, or we actually did our, uh, well, we do our our Big Ten predictions. We did our SEC predictions. We've got a couple other videos on there. Uh, check those out, but you should start seeing some videos and, and podcasts drop. So if you have not subscri- subscribed to the CFB Nation podcast, uh, please do that. Uh, it is the podcast. There's two actually. There's some old podcasts that they haven't gotten rid of. That's like got a great yellow and black background. That's not it. Ours is the cool red, white, and blue one. Right? Uh, you'll see that, you'll, and we're going to start dropping some shows this week. So you're definitely going to want to make sure that you subscribe to that on. Uh, uh, we definitely have it on on Apple Podcasts right now and on Spotify, and we we're, we're, should be getting it out here to more distributors here very, very soon. So definitely check those out. And, uh, and, and if you haven't done so, subscribe to it on YouTube. So, Ryan, that's gonna, like I said, that's the quarterback battle. Hit that like button, subscribe, notification, and share. And, of course, we'll be back tonight, 6 p.m. Uh, Sean Styers and Vince D'Addario will be talking on IB Nation Sports Chat tonight. So definitely check that out as well. <laughs> We'll be right
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.